You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at L-O Thunder Pod. Email the show, L-O Thunder Pod at gmail.com. Call into the show, 405-362-7128. On today's show, brought to you by Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. We're going to dive into the Thunder game against the Golden State Warriors. We're going to have stock watch and power ranking roundup, which should tell you just about how this game went for the Thunder. The game overview is where we start the way we always do. And it's SGA that was out with that plantar fasciitis. Gabriel Dex still out with the team because he just signed and still working to get his visa. Uh, Mike Muscala is out with an ankle injury. Alexei Pokoshevsky was still out with his soreness in his right arm. Lou Dort, after putting up 42 points, is now out with shoulder soreness. However, they did get Josh Hall in this game, who was at first listed as questionable earlier in the afternoon because of right knee soreness, which has been kind of bothering him a bit all season. But he was able to play in this one. He was active. The Warriors were without Wiseman, Thompson, Pascal, and Kelly Oubre Jr., Thunder legend. The Thunder have their starters of tail mouth on. Subakai, Luke, Darius Baisley, Isaiah Roby, Moses Brown. This game was over pretty much as soon as it started. And the Thunder had no chance in this one because the Warriors just outplayed the Thunder in every way possible. The Thunder defense was just atrocious in this game. The Warriors scored 75 first half points. They knocked down 13 threes in that first half. And the Warrior offense just confused the Thunder. I mean, this is a young Thunder team who is not used to playing bulk minutes, who's not been in these spots before who's taking on Steph Curry and the Warriors, albeit in a down year, they still have 10 times the talent of the Thunder. I mean, first of all, they have an all-time great player. The Thunder do not have an all-time great player on this active roster uh, to where, of course, this is going to happen. And the offense gave the Thunder trouble. It was a lot of ball movement. Almost every single pass the Warriors made moved five Thunder players. It just everyone was out of position. Uh, the Warriors really just ran what I would call the chaos offense where they just, they just clumped together and like you never knew what the actual plan was. It was just, a, it was just creating chaos inside the arc. And then eventually in the possession, somebody slip away to the three point line, you hit them, they hit a three and away we go. That's, that's pretty much the whole offense. And then, you know, sometimes if you didn't want to slip to the three point line, you'd have a guy cut to the basket. And you saw in this game, what the, the Warriors tried to do a lot of the times was they would overload one side of the court then have a, a different player come from that overloaded side to the weak side and then cut to the basket wide open. Thunder had no answer. The Thunder defense was out of position almost every single time, and they just were young and didn't know what to do. Like, it's going to happen. And you saw many timeouts from Mark to try to get guys in the right spots, but they're, they're going to have to go through this learning experience. They'll watch the tape. They'll get better. And it goes back to what we said yesterday, that it's all about processes more so than execution. And in this case, she had no process or execution on the defensive end for the most part in this game. Uh, but in general, this is the learning curve for them. You're going to have stinker games like this where just it feels like nothing matters from this game. 
And tonight it feels like you can't take much away from it, especially defensively because of just how dominant the Warriors were uh, with that offense and the motion offense to get open looks at will. And it comes down to the Warriors made 13 threes in the first half. In the first half, the Thunder made three. At halftime, you're down 75 to 54. Like, that's what it boils down to at the end. You're, you're not going to win games that way. You're not going to outshoot the Warriors, and if the Warriors get hot from beyond the arc and they're knocking down threes, you can't keep up. With this roster, you can't keep up. But there were bright spots on the offensive end, from Darius Baisley to Tony Bradley, and Moses Brown even had a really good game, and Mark Dignott says that Moses Brown has his juice back, so it's always good to get that juice back in your system. It was also a perfect night for tanking. Like, the Thunder lost, they got blown out, a loss is a loss. But around the NBA, the Cavs win, the Magic win, the Raptors win, and the Pistons were on the brink of beating the Clippers without Reggie Jackson hitting a game winner. So, like, you almost had the 100% perfect night, could not get any better. However, I would also just counter that with, like, the Thunder did have that perfect night because, in my mind, it is like a one a 0.1% chance you catch the, the Pistons anyway uh, to where I think your ceiling is probably that, that Magic slot and they, they won, Raptors won, Cavs won. Like, that's what you're hoping for. And you got your outcome. Thunder lose, those pe- those teams win, and now the Thunder are the fifth worst team in the NBA. They're the fifth worst team in the NBA. That's, that's what you want to be. That's where you want to go. You want to get closer and closer to that top three section. They're probably not going to get top three, but you want to get closer and closer and closer to that part of the standings. So all the way around is a really good night. And in this game, the biggest headline for the Thunder on offense and and as a bright spot was Darius Baisley. And Darius Baisley, who's been criticized to no end, and coming into tonight, Baisley has played 99 games, logged 2,299 career minutes, and made 47 career starts. And yet, he is so heavily criticized and just drug across the coals for body language, for the way that he answers questions, for his play on the court, and to the point where I made a comment that, hey, you know what? He, he got open on this play right here. His teammates couldn't find him, but he still did his job. And he still did the right thing, even though it's not rewarded with the teammates finding him. And somebody mentioned it, and of course it wasn't like a serious, it was just a troll. But like somebody said that you know, Darius Paisley doesn't have the killer instinct, and that's why his teammates couldn't find him on that play. And those teammates couldn't find him because he's not playing with the ball handlers. His teammates are Isaiah Roby and Moses Brown, and whenever they have the ball, they can't make that pass to the corner. That's why the teammates didn't find him. And and we're going to judge Darius Baisley's killer instinct off of less than 100 games and less than 3,000 minutes and less than 50 career starts. We're going to judge his killer instinct off that? And, and first of all, why in the world do you care if Darius Baisley has a killer instinct or not? And I would point you to 2011 whenever LeBron James didn't have a killer instinct. And that's by no means to say... Baisley's LeBron, but it is to say that killer instinct is just so overrated and so dumb. Like it's just it's just a, a, a word that people throw out there and a phrase people throw out there to try to sound like they know what they're talking about. When in reality, the killer instinct tag is just luck. It's a ball bouncing in and out. It's Kawhi's shot bouncing 15 times on the rim and just so happening to fall into the basket. That, that was There was no skill involved in that ball bouncing his way in Philadelphia that left Joel Embiid crying on the court. You got the luck of the bounce. And now, all of a sudden, he's a, he's a killer. Same thing with LeBron. The, 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 he, he got totally and absolutely shut down by the Mavs and J.J. Barea at times in that series. And in a clutch, he was not very good. 
And so in 2011, he had no killer instinct. But now all of a sudden, if he's on, now all of a sudden, it's blasphemy to say that anyone but LeBron will win a title. Like, like we do this killer instinct thing, just it, it annoys the heck out of me. But Darius Baisley has been the poster child of unfair criticism to this point in his career. And he's the only Thunder player that we do this with. Like, it's, it's as if Thunder fans are using Darius Baisley as the punching bag because you know you should support the tank. You know that for the betterment of this franchise, this team has to lose. But as a fan, you still don't like losing. So what do you do instead of complaining about the loss and looking foolish for complaining about a loss and, and a season where you want to lose, you complain about Darius Baisley because he's the only player who has not put up at least that highlight signature moment this year, right? That, that, that's that signature, okay, that's why he's a part of this core. That's why he's he's hyped up. That's why he's here. He hasn't had that moment yet. He's the only guy with, with Mark Dignott who's not had that moment yet. And so he becomes the easy target. He becomes the punching bag. He is the only one who has bad body language sometimes. He's the only one who's caused any sort of controversy or stir inside of these Zoom press conferences. If you go back to the preseason, whenever him and Andrew Schleck got into that kind of weird back and forth that should never have happened because Andrew asked a fair question. Like, he's the only one to cause that sort of drama to where now he's just an easy target for everybody. And it's unfair. It's completely unfair to Darius Baisley. In this game, he had a really good game even beyond the box score, which is still pretty impressive. We'll get into that coming up. As well as, we'll get into Tony Bradley, we'll get into Moses Brown, and Stockwatch, Power Ranking Roundup, and the next stretch of games that are very, very important for the Thunder. But first, I want to tell you about our good friends over at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts online for 20 years. That's right. 20 years ago, you could have been going to rockauto.com and finding all the parts that your car would ever need, but instead, you had dial-up internet and you had no idea what in the world you were doing on the internet. Trust me, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is right now. So go to rockauto.com right now and right your wrongs and get all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. My favorite part about rockauto.com is that I know nothing about cars. I can drive them. I can put gas in them. I can't change the oil. I can't change a spark plug. I can't change a headlight. I can't recharge a battery. I can't take out a battery. I can't install a battery. I can't do anything except for drive and put gas in them. That's it. But I don't have to know anything about cars. All I have to do is put my make, my model, my year into their database. And they're only going to show me car parts that are compatible with my vehicle. That way, I'm not wasting time, money, and effort on parts I do not need, parts I cannot use, and I don't need to know measurements for my car at all. I just need to know my make, my model, my year, which I do. I know my make and my model, my year, so it really helps me out. So go to rockauto.com, and when you get there, whenever you get to that beautiful website that's so easy to navigate, rockauto.com, tell them Lockdown sent you. And the how did you hear about us box and our good friends over at rockauto.com will set you up from there. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. We are back on Locked On Thunder right now. I want to tell you about our good friends over at the Locked On Today podcast. I start my morning every single day with the Locked On Today podcast because it gets me all the sport news I need in under 20 minutes. Hosted by Pete Bukowski, updating you on all the latest news of every single major sport, including golf. Like, they cover everything on Locked On Today in under 20 minutes with the help of our local experts. So follow Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever else you get your podcast from. They'll hook you up and start your day right with all the sport news you need. Listen, Darius Baisley was awesome this game, and he's been, he's been again, the poster child of just criticism. But in this one, he's moving off the ball much better. 
And, and that was the big talking point I had before his return to the court in Philadelphia this second half of the season was the Thunder, you know, whosever decision it was, Darius's or Mark's or Sam's, whoever made the choice to try to make Baisley this kind of catch-and-shoot guy who was kind of more stationary, it was a bad call. It was an absolute awful call because Baisley's skill set is that of a guy who needs to be moving off ball, and you see that whenever you view his driving numbers and you view his cutting field goal percentage and you, and you view all of that, you see how beneficial it is for him to be moving off ball. And you saw a monstrous jam in the lane whenever he was cutting off ball that Svi found him on. You're seeing him do that more and more in these last two games. And it's no secret that it's caused him to have some success from that. And so his movement was noticeable. Like it was, it was noticeable how much he was moving off the ball. And that got him a ton of open looks in this game. Most of which his teammates could not find him. And Look at who he's playing with. I mean, he's playing with one ball handler. That's no surprise that his teammates could not get him the ball. Uh, but he was open. And if SGA's on that floor and, and you're playing with better guys, they'll find you. And they couldn't find him today. And, and he still scores 22 points. It was a slow starting game for Baisley. I mean, he was not as aggressive in the starting minutes. But after he got subbed out that first time, he progressively got more aggressive as the game went on. And you love to see that because... Sometimes you look at Baisley and you just want to ask him, like, Baisley, do you know that you're athletic? It feels like everyone but Darius Baisley knows he's outstandingly and otherworldly athletic because sometimes he just gets to the rim and decides to do a finger roll with a guy contesting him straight up. Like a guy is literally in his face going vertical on him and he does a finger roll instead of just dunking on that guy or even working around that guy for a normal layup. He tries a finger roll like it's like, basically, you you are incredibly athletic. Just just go do athletic things. Just go dominate a guy and impose your will on a guy because of your amazing athleticism. And in seeing him get more aggressive, you're seeing him utilize that more and more. You saw that dunk in contact. You saw that, that, that drive into the trees. And the more that he's comfortable with that, the more that he is able to realize his own athleticism and realize his own strengths, uh, the more his game will settle in. And this is a weird and awkward spacing situation for him and, and teammate situation for him. And I tweeted before the game that, that this game was going to serve as a nice benchmark, but you cannot take too many sweeping rationalizations or, or sweeping judgments about Baisley because of the spacing, because of his teammates. But this was the first time that he was the go-to option. And I, I would I would hope we get to see this again sometime. And I know it was very boring watching this team without Poku and Dort and, and Shea. But I do want to see, and I wish we saw today, Baisley play more on ball and tail play off ball to where Baisley's that primary ball handler. Baisley's the one who's playmaking and setting up the offense, and Taylor's the one playing off ball because I think it's beneficial for both their games, especially Baisley's. I think that Taylor's a much better off ball player and spot up shooter than Baisley is. And I think that Baisley's much better for his own sake whenever he's the one in charge of the basketball and he's the one dictating the pace and he's the one dictating what the, the flow is. And whenever you're setting up a, a team like this, where you're only, where you're starting five is tail, speed, Baisley, Roby, and Brown. Like whenever that's your starting five, you have to find the edge any way you can. I think that that would have given you the best edge of having Baisley as a ball handler and put these guys in the best position to succeed. Because whenever tail is the one handling the ball and he has a, a good pick and roll with Roby, that ball's not coming out again. Roby cannot make that pass at the corner, that extra pass to the corner after a pick and roll to where Roby's now in the lane, and he's going to go and he's going to drive. And for his sake, Roby will mostly finish those plays and finish at the rim. Uh, but an extra pass there could get you three points instead of two. Like th- Those little tiny things add up to where I'd rather have Baisley be the one 
on ball and dictating all of that for just seeing what works and what doesn't work in this year of roster exploration because we know what tail can do on ball. We also know tail's good off ball. We have not gotten the chance to see Darius Baisley play on ball and be the lead ball handler in bulk stretches because of the roster that's always been around him. Last year, it's playing with three guards. This year, it's it's playing with Teo and, and, and having injuries and playing with SGA and playing with George Hale at times. You know, like it's all of that culminating into the fact that we've seen limited minutes of an area of, of Baisley's game, his playmaking, that I think is going to be his second best NBA trait, right? I think his best NBA trait is rebounding. His second best, I think, will be his playmaking in, in the long run. It's where I want to see more of that moving forward. But his day finishes with 55% from the floor. He goes 0 for 3 from beyond the arc. 8 rebounds, 1 assist, 22 points, and just 2 turnovers. I laid out for you after the Philadelphia game how those 9 turnovers were going to be a massive outlier. And so far, they're going to be a massive outlier. So you only see him turn over 2 times tonight in 28 minutes. Tony Bradley was also very good. And Tony Bradley comes off the bench and goes 6 for 7 from the floor. 13 points, 7 rebounds. I think that Tony Bradley might have the softest hands in the NBA. I think that he might have the softest hands ever because there was a play where Teo makes this unbelievable kind of behind-the-head pass like he's Luka Doncic, and it goes a bit too far back to where Tony Bradley is now outstretching like he's Odell Beckham. He one-hands the basketball, brings it in, and has a layup now waiting for him. And, and, and the time it takes to get the basketball, no less, and then to not fumble the ball or, or dislodge the ball in any way corral it with one hand, then into two, and still be able to go up for a shot seamlessly, that is special. And then that's a, that's a gift that Tony Bradley has of those soft hands. And also, I was very impressed with those seven rebounds, and four of them come on the glass, and a lot of his offensive glass putbacks were just that. They were putbacks where he has such great feathery touch around the rim. It feels like every shot that he goes after that's an offensive miss he is able to go up and, while in the air, put it back into the hoop. And I just wonder how many times that Tony Bradley has gotten a guy so heated when playing 21 and playing the version of 21 where a tip back will wipe out your score and a guy gets like 20 back in the day and he just, okay, you know what? He's going to miss a shot here. I'm going to tip it back and he goes back, to, goes back to zero because it's unreal how Bradley's so good at tipping the ball back. It's, it's really a... Interesting trait that I think goes unnoticed a bit of times with NBA players is just how difficult that is to, to go up, get the ball, put it back, all in one fluid motion, all in the air. But the fact that I can't even off the top of my head remember a time where there's been any pass, good or bad pass, that gets bobbled or dropped or kicked out of bounds, whatever it goes to Tony Bradley. He has amazing hands, and that is a trait that you see Ty Jerome exploit a ton of the time. Ty Jerome and Tony Bradley have a great pick-and-roll connection. It's just great. And it's helped out by how well that Tony Bradley can catch the basketball. It also allows for, for a guy like Ty Jerome, who has that, that shooting threat, to wait until the last possible second to dump the ball down low, drawing as much defensive attention as possible from the defenders up to Jerome and away from Bradley because Jerome understands that, hey, if I throw to this guy down low on Tony Bradley – no matter where I put this thing for the most part, he's he's going to come up with it and he's going to be able to shoot the ball and lay it up and get us an easy two points. It's where it allows you to draw the defense out further to you than if you knew you had to make a crisp and, and, and great pass. It's interesting watching the dynamic of Tony Bradley and it's interesting following along with this roster and the way it's taking shape for next year and the decisions that 
Sam Presti has to make moving forward. Then Moses Brown was a lot better tonight, and, and he kind of he kind of got back on track a bit. He just outworked everybody, and this is a smaller Golden State team, especially without Wiseman. We just outworked everybody. 12 rebounds, 18 points. He did have the turnovers. He did have the three fouls, but in general, 61%, 18-12, you'll take that all day for Moses Brown because there was a lot of aggressiveness from the Warriors, and there was a lot of tip balls from the Warriors where they're going to they're gonna go mix up, and they might not grab the rebound with two hands off the rim, but they're going to at least dislodge it and tip it away and have a longer rebound. So we're still coming up with 12 for Moses Brown was impressive. But that's the story of this game where you, where you get blown out by the Warriors who make 24 threes compared to the Thunder's seven made threes. So this game ends with Golden State winning 147 to 109. Coming up, we're going to have the stock watch, the power ranking roundup, and the awards for this game. But first, I want to tell you about our good friends over at betonline.ag. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sport action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV with news, scores, and odd updates. It's the best way to place your bets since free to sign up. So head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportbook experts. Use promo code Locked On to receive that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So go to betonline.ag and use promo code Locked On to receive that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportbook experts. We are back on the Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your teams every day. I want to tell you right now about your friends over at the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Get more analysis from the top prospects available in this year's NBA Draft with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week. From credentialed draft experts, follow the Locked On NBA Draft podcast on the Odyssey app wherever else you get your podcast from. We had Richard Stamen on the show earlier in the week on Monday to talk about how to evaluate draft prospects. So go back and listen to that one. Coming up in the later on in the week on tomorrow's show on Friday, we're going to have Ben Golliver from the Washington Post on the show to talk about last year's NBA bubble. He's writing a book. He's wrote a book, actually, that you can go buy now on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or anywhere else you get your books from. He wrote a book called Bubble Ball, which details the inner workings and behind-the-scenes details of the bubble. And so he'll come on the show tomorrow to break that all down for us. And, of course, that's going to be a very, very interesting topic. Let's wrap up this game recap with the awards. The bet of the day, I had Golden State uh, minus 10.5. That obviously cashes in. The MVP pick, Darius Baisley. All the crap that Thunder fans have given him. He deserves a game like tonight. Moneyball pick, I had Ty Jerome. And guess what, folks? Ty Jerome nailed two threes. And therefore, he ties with Sumikai Luke to have the team high in threes. Therefore, if you had C or Ty, you're the winner of today's Moneyball pick. Up next for the Thunder, they have a very tough stretch in terms of must-lose games. Like, you need to lose these next three. Detroit, Toronto, Washington, must-lose. Must-lose games for the Thunder, who have already done their fair share of losing. But listen, it's about the destination of getting in that top five, staying in that top five, and trying to creep your way up even to the top four in this draft. Right now, in sole possession of fifth place on Tankathon.com, losers of eight straight. One and nine in the last 10. It sucks right now, but it's, it just hold on for a couple more losses and, and it'll be paying off big time. You just got to make it a little further. And hopefully 
get rewarded on NBA draft lottery night on June 22nd. In fact, let's just do a quick lottery spin on tankathon.com in three, two, one. Let's see what happens. The Thunder get the number one overall pick and Houston's pick though lands at three. So the Thunder get pick one in this draft and 16 in this draft. Well worth it for these next couple of losses. Now this stretch is going to be crucial. We'll recap it all, but let's continue the show with the power rankings roundup. This one is going to hurt. So three places have the Thunder at 30, a fourth have them at 29. NBA.com, Athletic, and The Ringer all have the Thunder at 30. NBC has the Thunder at 29. And then just some weird outliers of Sports Illustrated and ESPN have the Thunder at 26. I have them at 28 on my power rankings. And so there you go. That's the power ranking roundup. Now let's do a special Thursday edition of Stockwatch because we have Ben Golliver on tomorrow. We will not do Stockwatch Friday. So let's make it Stockwatch Thursday. I have three stocks for you to sell or buy. Yeah, they're penny stocks. I told you not to sell. You did not tell me not to sell. I said the market fluctuates, remember? Well, what are you going to do about this stock? I'm keeping it. I'm going down with the ship. Celebrate with our weekly act of debauchery. It's time to buy or sell NBA stocks for Stockwatch. We have two Thunder players and one NBA topic. The first Thunder player is Tony Bradley. I'm buying some stock in Tony Bradley. I think that Tony Bradley can be a, a really good backup center in this league. It's where I'm buying stock in Tony Bradley of his play on the floor recently in these last few stretches. The next player is Darius Baisley. I'm buying stock in Baisley even more so because of how low the price probably is right now. He scores 22 points at a tied for the season high for him in 22 points tonight. And he's, I think, only going to get better in the second half of the year as it continues in his last 17 games. So I am buying Darius Baisley stock. Building block Baisley is in full effect. The last item on the table is the play-in tournament. Very hot topic after Mark Cuban talked about what a mistake it is and Luca talks about not liking it. To me, the play-in tournament in general is great. And in practice is great in a 62-game season. But like everything else, things become more inconvenient Things become tougher. Things become worse in this pandemic and COVID era uh, to where when you're playing a condensed schedule, when you're playing 72 games, when you're dealing with the obstacles that the NBA is dealing with this year, the play-in tournament was probably a mistake. Now, for the Thunder, it's awesome because the Thunder are going to benefit from this greatly because teams like Toronto, because teams like Washington, because teams like Cleveland, because teams like Golden State, because teams like Sacramento were all coming up on this schedule, because those teams have the play-in to fight for, they're not tanking like you. It helps the NBA not have more tanking teams. It helps the Thunder not have more competition for the top overall pick. So I love it even in this season. However, as a non-biased party, just looking at this completely unbiased, probably not the best decision this year. I think moving forward, though, it's a great thing. In an 82-game season, it's a great thing. In a normal season with the non-condensed scheduling, it's a great thing. It, it eliminates some tanking that those borderline teams are going to go for it. And it creates excitement. I mean, what what would Kings fans be doing right now if there was no play-in? And Matt George of Lockdown Kings is already having meltdowns every other day, which are hilarious, by the way. Uh, but imagine if there was no play-in to even fight for or even have the facade uh, of being a playoff team. If you're just stuck in purgatory again, 
I think the play answers a real purpose and it's a lot of fun as an NBA fan. Uh, I think that the only thing I'd alter is that if seven and 10 are X amount of games apart to where let's say the seven seed is six and a half games ahead of the 10th seed, well then the play in turns into a two game series between the eight and nine team and the nine team has to win twice. And if the eight team wins once, then they advance just like we did last year in the bubble. That's what I would alter, but that's the only thing I'd alter. I think I, I think that this process is great and the play-in tournament is great and I love what it's doing for the NBA. Just, of course, not in this weird season where there's so many injuries and so much condensed scheduling and just all that yucky stuff that comes with the pandemic. Let me know your thoughts on this game, on Darius Baisley, on the play-in tournament, on Twitter, at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. We'll be back tomorrow with a special interview with Ben Golliver of the Washington Post and of his new book, Bubble Ball, to talk about the NBA bubble experience in Disney World. So much fun. I've been planning this interview for a long time. The outline I've been working on for a week now, and I cannot wait to get this interview done and post it for you all. I think it'll be great content, so I hope that you'll tune in and hope that you'll send feedback about the interview as well. So, again, follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles, and the Thunder will be back in action on Friday against the Pistons. We'll break that all down as well on Locked on Thunder, the daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. If you're keeping track at home of my preseason over-under prediction of 30 wins, the Thunder would have to win 11 of their last 17 games to win over 30 games. So it seems like we at least have that preseason prediction right that the Thunder will be under 30 wins this year. So we'll have complete season review shows at the end of this year. We'll have all the draft content you can handle and more interviews like tomorrow with Ben Golliver, just special guests around the NBA talking about NBA storylines like the bubble, which impacted the Thunder so greatly, especially last year, whenever Chris Paul, the president of the NBA PA, was on your team. So please tune into that. Subscribe anywhere you get your podcast from, and do not forget to be good and be good to one another. Perfect ending to a historic.